everyone, I'm Eric. Welcome back to another episode of the SDR Game Podcast. My guest today is David Betham, Director of Sales Development at Cognizant. Dave, great to, uh, great to have you here. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on, Elric. Yeah, of course. Uh, before we start, can you explain to the listeners uh, what you do at Cognizant? So I personally am the Director of Sales Development. Um, I run a um, I run the SDR organization. Um, today we have about seventy five globally. Um, it involves um, it's about forty here in the UK. We have twenty out in the US and um, uh, roughly fifteen in Germany. Um, so quite a, uh, a large group. I came into Cognizant back in two thousand eighteen, and we only had five SDRs. So. I've been very heavily involved in kind of the the expansion of the team, which has been super exciting. Nice. And how do you organize the, for the team is based on location? So you have the U US team focused on North America, I imagine, and then the UK team for all Europe, and then the German company, uh, the Germany, the German team on Germany. Yeah, so that's a, it's actually a really interesting one, and, and something that we've we've been debating kind of all year and kind of been going back and forth on. So. Today, our rules of engagement are that um, each team should have a bias towards their local regions, but in general, we're targeting global companies. And a lot of those global companies for our product will make one decision. They'll have one budget, um, uh, they'll have one budget signed. There'll be like maybe one kind of head of RevOps or VP of global sales or someone like that who makes the decision for, for everybody globally. Uh, and we can service everybody globally. So um, our current rules are um, that essentially you have to, they have to have a presence in your region. Um, but once you grab, once you hold that account, you target everybody globally, you, you own everybody globally. Um, and it, uh, in instances where perhaps you need the language skills of someone else, um, we can pull those in. So say, for example, I pick up Google um, and Google, um, uh, Google's just my example for everything. Uh, if I pick up Google and Germany and, and I want to target the German team, but I, I think the German language skills are going to be important, then I can pull um, an SDR in from Germany to, to help and support. And we can create split commission models based off that. So that's, that's the current setup that we've got, which, we're, which we think is, is probably the best one. No, oh, that's good because at least you can have uh, a team effort on, on the account and not just one SDR against another SDR. Uh, so oh, that's pretty cool. The, how do you structure uh, this team? So you have you mentioned the three offices, but then how many? So you are leading the seventy-five SDRs. Then you have managers and team leads. Or how do you structure the team? Yeah. So we have. Um, so it's uh, uh, it's eight managers now that we have. So two in Germany, um, two in the US, and four in um, UK. Uh, they all roll up to the oh so they they te so they so in the US and Germany because of the local local the I suppose the localization um, they roll up to the RVPs the regional vice presidents of sales for their regions um, I I roll up to to the UK RVP um, and um, 
uh, the four UK managers uh, roll up to me. Um, and But I suppose like I spearhead, I kind of like have a, a, a role where like I spearhead most of the, um, you know, most of the, ch and, like any changes that need to be made. Um, any of the structural like global alignment pieces is, is kind of like uh, my role. So I, I, I have like a bit of a dual role in that sense. And do you, so in your managers, do they have team leads? I saw some of them or you don't use no, the no, team no. lead manager? No, no, we don't. Um, I think just in, in principle, like I've never really had any team leads. I think perhaps if you've got like a really small team, um, there might be a requirement for team leads, but generally I prefer that people are either players or their coaches and and you know if you if you can facilitate that that would always be my my suggestion no same yeah i think the same on, on this topic because it's i've done the both the both models team the i've been a team lead and it's really hard enough to switch between the two jobs so uh, when we were talking last time together so and that's what we are going to talk about hiring today on, on the podcast uh, you mentioned to me that over your career, you hired more than 1,000 people uh, at Cognizant and other companies. So um, I'm super in excited to talk about this because uh, I think hiring for me, that's a topic should be priority number one uh, as a, an SDR leader and other uh, revenue leader roles also. But uh, super excited to talk about this. So. So before we start um, about talking about your hiring process, I have a question because with the current market uh, situation, for example, uh, when we were thinking about the hiring process at Chili Piper, the, um, when uh, I was preparing uh, the, the hiring plan, for example, I was the first thing I was planning is the, the traits we're looking for, the experience or stuff like that. So with the current situation, did your traits change or did you, are you looking for different things than, I don't know, 2021, for example? Uh, did you change some, evolve on this? Okay, so so just for context for anybody listening on the thousand people that I've hired, um, previously to working at Cognizant, I was in a door-to-door -door sales role, where I managed a, a very uh, you know like a pretty big door-to-door -door sales um, unit, and that role was actually commission-only sales, um, so the turnover was insane. Um, and the and essentially what we were trying to do, to, to be honest with you, is we were just trying to attract people into the job because they didn't cost us anything unless they mid-sales once they were in. So, um, so from a hiring perspective, I mean, obviously some some people we didn't think were fit were fit, but but um, you know we were we were probably trying to bring in about ten people a week in, into the job, and then we would expect that maybe. You know, half of those would would decide it's not for them pretty quickly because of the commissioning nature. Um, but what that gave me really amazing insight into is by lowering the the barriers for entry and saying, "Hey, look, like if you you know if you're willing to do the job, like come and do it." It showed me that it's really really difficult to know who's going to do well or not um, in a job. And and a lot of people that I didn't think were going to do well did amazingly were the best, and a lot of people that that. Um, that kind of looked like they were nailed on weren't so good. So um, hiring is hard, is, is I suppose what I'm saying. Um, I, the stuff that I've taken, or the stuff that I took into to hiring for Cognizant is that I don't actually hire on experience. 
pretty much at all. Um, and I definitely don't hire on degrees or ages or anything like that. Most of my hiring processes is on identifying high achievers, natural high achievers, um, and people that have like drive and hunger. Um, and where those, what I see from other companies is that they often hire on experience. Um, and that's because the individuals with high drive and hunger but without experience they haven't built the onboarding process to support those individuals and to get the most out of the drive and hunger. Um, so we've we've got a really tight onboarding structure that I'm really and training structure that I'm really proud of, and so we can just keep bringing in these these very raw but highly driven individuals. Um, has that changed? No, not at all. I think, um, yeah, I think uh, you know I. Not at all. I I'm, I'm trying to think if there would be a reason to change. I, I, I truly just don't think there's a reason to change at this stage. Um, we, we just, you know, we need people that are going to achieve, right? And, and I think that's our model is that the people that will achieve are people that are highly driven. And as long as we train them in the right way, then, then they're going to keep doing that. So just to make sure, you said you hire only experienced people, uh, we, uh, people with experience? Or no experience. No, no. Oh, no sorry. Experience? I don't care about the experience. Okay. Okay. Because now so you have the structure I, to train them and, and onboard them. Hundred percent. I actually, I would actually advise to a lot of people that, um, especially in the world of SDRing, if you if you have someone that's got loads and loads of experience, um, and they've done it for three four years, and I'm, I'm speaking exclusively about maybe the SDR role, and I know that there's there's always fringe cases, and we you know I do a lot of deep diving with SDRs into their background and you know I always give people a chance where I can um, to explain like to explain themselves but I, I find that if someone's been in an SDR role and has stayed in an SDR role for a long period of time um, and especially usually what what you see is that they've been doing you know six months here nine months here six months here is, is probably it suggests that they're not the strongest SDR because If you're a good SDR, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know this, like I'm, sh I'm sure a lot of your listeners, the people that are, um, the people that are, kind of yeah, listening to this show are very curious, high achievers, and and they probably all want to be account executives, account managers, SDR managers, etc. So, um, that's yeah, that would be kind of my, my logic. Okay, um, so what's the hiring process mechanism uh, from? when a candidate apply, then to the last, uh, last stage. Yeah, so super simple process on our side. We have a member of our talent acquisition team call up any um, CVs or applicants that look uh, or, or fit the criteria that we've set. Um, they'll do like kind of an initial alignment call. It's mostly about saying, hey, this is the role, these are the expectations, this is the, the pay um, that we're offering. Does that align to what you're looking for? Uh, before you, you move forward, um, why at this step? Do you want to make sure you're aligned on the OT you're offering uh, to make sure? Yeah, I think the pay thing's important, right? Like, okay. I think people know. So we, I have the same, I don't have pay scales for the SDRs team. Um, you know, we don't pay between, I know some certain companies say, okay, we'll pay between 30 and 40K salary, right? That's our bracket. Um, I don't believe that. I think if you're a really, if you're a high performing uh, SDR or, or salesperson in general, then you'll make the extra money in the commission that you earn. 
Um, as opposed to salary, that's, that's I suppose my personal view, and is probably slightly tied into the fact that I don't look for experience or I don't yeah. I don't reward experience necessarily, um, and yeah, so so it's really alignment there because you know some we have some people that you know need a certain amount of money or expect a certain amount amount of money, so that's kind of very binary and and therefore is is quite an easy qualification criteria for us to have. Yeah, and it's good for candidate experience also because uh, they don't wait until the late stage to to know about this. Also, hundred percent. And if it's close, you know, the, what we advise is if it's close, and the pay is, um, you know, say someone really wants thirty five thousand, and we're offering thirty three thousand. Let's just, let's say, and there's, there's really a couple of grand in it. Then then I would hope that our TA team or what I expect of the talent acquisition team is that they. Kind of say no. Look, you know, let, let's get you into a call. Let's have a conversation. Let's see see how we can go, because I think we all know. And again, I hope audience knows that sometimes it's not just about the money, um, or it's certainly not about the initial salary, right? If you if the initial salary is two thousand pounds less, but actually you are more likely to be an AE at this company in a year, and therefore have a salary double that than you are, the, uh, or, and it's going to take two years in a different company, then from a purely financial st standpoint, you, you, you would definitely take the, the, the former rather than the latter. So um, yeah, that's what we're advising. Okay, so st step number one, um, the recruiter, fan recruiter step, then wh what's next? Yeah, so then they have a one-to-one uh, um, -one interview with one of the SDR managers um, in, in region. Um, it's relatively relaxed. We're kind of just, again, it's an initial meeting, getting to know each other. Um, the SDR managers ask some, some, some questions, I suppose, related to their knowledge of the, you know, I suppose any of the research they've done on the company, but, but mostly it's around like their, their experiences so far, historically, whether it be, you know, education, obviously previous work experience, um, and then also their goals. So like, like, why do they? You know, why sales is like a, a key piece for us. Is like, why do you want to get into sales if you've not done it already? Why do you? Why are you still applying for sales if you, if you um, have done it in other companies and maybe not enjoyed it? I don't know. But we really want to want to see a clear sales focus, um, and that's that's incredibly important. Um, and then, um, and then yeah, and then obviously the uh, you know and, and really really importantly, it's also an opportunity for candidates to come in and ask any questions to us because I'm a big believer that interviews are as much about um, businesses finding out, finding the right candidates for them as candidates finding the right businesses for them to work for as well. Which I think, especially if you're early in your career, sometimes you forget. Uh, okay, so that's step number two, um, interview with the SDR manager. Then what's, what's next? Yeah, so final step, um, and, and, and to explain why it's the final step, I've heard of companies that do seven-step processes, um, and that can be really thorough, and and that can really kind of help you get to, to where you want. I'm, again, you know, the nature of the people that I'm hiring is that they're very new to, they're very generally very new to their career, um, and and you know they're not going to have like a bunch of uh, knowledge and experience and. And so mostly I'm looking at drive and, and things like that. So what I don't want to be doing, the negative of doing a really complex and long hiring process is that you can put people off. You can, you can literally put people off the role uh, because they'll drop out. Good people might drop out because they've already been offered another role by a different company. 
Um, so we do three steps, and yeah, so final stage is with myself and the SDR manager, and then we usually uh, um, we usually bring in one of the SDRs themselves, one of the members of the team. Um, and for us, we do it here in the office um, because it's an in-office role, like for the best part. So um, I want to make sure people have done the journey to, to work to understand what it is. Uh, we do a fifty. We ask candidates to prepare a 15 minute presentation um, on why me, why sales, why Cognizant. Um, and really that's all about them pitching themselves, um, them clearly explaining why they, why they want to work for us above others, which is that again, them understanding, um, you know, me, me or, or them understanding and displaying that they have seen that Cognizant is the right fit for them. Um, and then why sales, which is, you know, again, going back to it, I want people that are sales focused. I don't want people that are just going to try out sales because they kind of think like, you know, because that's the only job they can get, right? Um, so yeah, so why me, why sales, why cognizant, 15 minutes, and then um, short and sweet, and then we open it up to questions. And so I'll ask, you know, I'll generally lead that, uh, ask a lot of questions, um, pick holes in CVs. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty direct about like, any, any issues that I might see, because you know, it's not really about the issue, it's about how they're gonna respond to it. Um, and then manager gets an opportunity and then the, the SDR also gets an opportunity. I like, you know, I, I brief the SDR that comes in to, to kind of, I want them to, I want the SDR to, you know, be able to understand whether they're gonna enjoy working. You know, this is someone that's gonna enter their team, so I want them to, to be like, okay, this, this person is someone that I'm gonna enjoy working for, or working with, sorry. And then, and then yeah, and again, it's just opening up the floor to, to any questions that they might have, and they've got, you know, they've got the full range. They've got myself, um, who can obviously answer, like, top-level discussion. They have um, the uh, SDR manager, who is the, would be their, their direct line, and then obviously the SDR as well as someone who is on the ground doing it, and so they've got the full panel to to, to make sure that they're they're truly set on on this organization. And uh, how long does it take for this last step? How long it takes? Thirty minutes or forty-five usually? Yeah, and then we sometimes you know then we give them a bit, bit of tour tour of the office. They can kind of see where they'd be. Um, you know, I keep going back to it, but it's, it is just as much about kind of the candidate and them being like, yeah, this is the company that I want to work for as, as, as vice versa. And uh, step number two, the um, interview with the SDR manager after 30 minutes? Uh, 30 minutes, yeah. yeah. 30, and the first one? The, with the talent acquisition? Oh, uh, 10, 15. 10, probably. 15. Okay. Oh, so that's very fast. Okay. So yeah, and, uh, you mentioned because also you said that it's a really short process. So how long did it take from a candidate to apply and then to be hired on average? Oh, um, I mean, it depends a lot on the candidate. We can move quick. Um, I've had candidates that have done the second stage, been accepted, and then it, then they've asked to do the final stage, like first thing the next morning. Um, and I usually push back on that. I usually say, hey, look, you know, I'm asking you to do a presentation. I really want to make sure you don't rush it. I want you to be prepared. I want you to put your best foot forward. So we tend to push back on that. But I think, honestly, the whole thing could be done within definitely two weeks, but but maybe even a week if we're timing it right. Uh, also, something you mentioned when we, we were talking about having the last time together, you were talking a lot about uh, red flags. Uh, that's something you are looking for during the whole process. So what are the... Red flags you are you are looking for. 
So I had one recently, oh, obviously not going to name names, but I had an interview recently, and this is maybe the biggest red flag I've ever had in my life. Um, so we're in an office team. I'm, um, I'm a big believer of, you know, again, I keep going back to it, but I'm hiring on, not experience, but on, on drive. Uh, but it does it, it require us to make sure that we're giving you the skills. Um, and for me, being in, our, in office is a great way by osmosis of learning and training all the time and um, gaining a lot of skills in that way. So, so because of the setup that we have, which isn't necessarily right for everyone, but it, no, I truly believe it's right for us. Um, and also, I do think it's a sign of commitment. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk. I'll get killed. I'm going to get crucified for this, but this is my reality. Um, I, I have a, like a really deep focus on, like right now, in the time of life that I'm at, I really want to, I'm really career focused. I really want to be, I want my career to be a success. And to be honest with you, like I'm looking for people that also are in that boat at this moment in time. Um, I don't believe that everybody's going to have the same job forever, especially nowadays. And so, um, uh, you know, by asking people to come into the office, it, it kind of, anybody that's like, oh, actually, I'd rather have, like, days at home and stuff like that, and, you know, then pr unless they've got a really, really good reason, it probably means that they're not, you know, they, they are looking for more of, more of a balance. Um, and so that kind of qualifies them out. But I had this one individual recently who came in, and um, I was a bit worried about him anyway, and he, um, he mentioned the fact that he wanted to have, like, more of a hybrid, he was looking for a hybrid um, role. And I asked why, because that's fine. Like, you know, we can, we can sometimes cater for it, but I asked why. And he said, well, in the winter, it's going to be really cold on my way to work. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, maybe, maybe this isn't going to be a fit, this one. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that was, a, that was a big, big red flag. Um, but, yeah, I suppose for me, you know, like, uh, um, just, you know, I want people with that commitment. So that would be a big one. Um, Accountability is something that's really important for me and I think is important for salespeople as well. I think it's, you know, I, I always tell my team that the first thing you should do when things aren't going right is look inwardly and focus on the things that you can control. And if you, now sometimes there are outside factors and, you know, feedback's also important. So, you know, I, um, sometimes it's important to go to your manager and be like, hey, you know, my AE, I'm struggling with my AE or like I'm struggling with the my accounts, right? But but so but do that on the back of looking inwardly first. And so because of that fact, because I'm looking for accountability, when I'm asking about you know, old jobs or their performance at old jobs, if they're if the way they respond is blaming old managers and the old system like a lot, that's a massive red flag for me as well. You know, if they're not taking any accountability, any responsibility, and again, like, you know, I, I try and be as fair as possible because sometimes there are really bad situations and I try and say, hey, look, so what steps did you take to remedy, you know, the, the poor relationship you have with the manager? And if they can't, if they can't give me any examples of that, then, then again, that's a massive red flag. So, yeah, off the top of my head, there's a couple of red flags. How do you... Do you have any, do you have, what you, do you have yeah. any big red flags? Yeah, also, I, I have to, but the, what question do you ask? For example, do you say, hey, tell me about the time you, you disagree with your manager or what kind of question you're asking to assess uh, accountability? 
Well, um, generally, I just have like a very like, um, it's, not, it's not a specific question. I, I suppose it's the same. So I kind of think of interviews as similarly to the way that like I think of sales pitches. Like I'm not, you know, there's, there's no one question or complete talk track. I think I just try and, I, I generally just go through the CV and go through like their history um, and say, okay, you know, you did nine months at this organization. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, I will ask, I mean, the, the main thing is like, okay, why did you end up leaving? I'll always ask why they left every step, of, like every single position. And then once, if they say, oh, it's because of, you know, it's because I hated my manager because he was an ass, um, which is fine. It's, you know, that's fine. Sometimes you have bad managers, but then if, if you go, okay, you know, can you explain? I'll just keep digging in and digging in and digging into that point. Um, until I, because I, I think it will really kind of show their character in that sense. Uh, and you're right on that because it's not just on say, yeah, I had the banner manager, but yeah, what action did you take? Uh, to Did you try, to, I don't know if it was really a bad manager, did you try to move to another team, to have another manager, to talk to the manager of your manager or to find a solution? So, um, so to go back to your questions, yes, yes, I have a few red flags I'm looking for. Uh, generally, it's uh, you did. We didn't talk about the role play for you, but uh, we were doing a role play, and during the role play, um, so we do, we, uh, we do two generally. But at the end of the first one, we give feedback, and here I'm looking for some red flags. And so the there is different things, but the way how they react about the the feedback we are giving, are they taking the feedback positively? Uh, I think there is three different type of response here. There is, uh, uh, they are asking question in here that's pretty good if they're asking question about the feedback. Generally, uh, most of candidates, they don't say anything, they not, and that's it. Um, then you have people who are defensive about the feedback you're giving, and here that's the red flag I'm looking for. If you have someone saying, yeah, but I didn't know that I was supposed to do that. And here that's, well, that's a red flag for me because we're not, blaming the person was just giving feedback to the person and that's something uh, i'm looking for then uh, there is like you mentioned you always leave time during your interviews uh, for them asking questions sometimes i have candidates who don't ask questions when i leave them questions and here that's the same red flag because um in sales you need to be natural uh, you need to be curious and if you're not asking questions that's uh, a red flag uh, for me. And um, and I think also something I'm, I was thinking about doing in my next interviews, and I don't know what you think about that, but also another red flag I will look for, it's the, when you ask, what do you know about uh, X company? And what do you know about me personally? And if they can't reply to us, same here, it's another red flag because as an SDR, you should be prepped for the interview. We actually do that, so to, I cover that base kind of with the, all the managers cover that base in that first interview. Because yeah, you, you know, there's some standard stuff that you'd expect of any interview scenario, and one of them's doing the research. So um, yeah, I think uh, one other one came to mind um, quickly there, and, and it was, um, so I think a lot of sales interviews can be full of cliches. So it can be, it can be I'm competitive, I'm money hungry, I'm, you know, I like to be the best. I like to communicate with people, right? Like, I like to interact with people. I don't want to just sit behind Excel. Um, 
and that's fine and it's great, right? But let's take the competitive uh, one, uh, for example. So saying I'm competitive to me is never enough. Um, and so what I always do is if they've said I'm competitive, I will ask the question, okay, so can you give me one example of where you're competitive in your personal life today? Like, give me an example of you being competitive today. Because I'm the most competitive person. I hand on heart believe that I could be up there in the top 0.01 percentile of humans in terms of competitiveness. I, I, that's my whole drive is competitiveness. And I'm toxic. I'm actually like so competitive, it's bad. And that's why I became a manager is because people hated me because I'm so competitive. Um, but I can't compete against myself, so it's fine. Or I can compete against myself. Um, the, you know, I can name a million different ways that I'm being competitive right now, down to, you know, last weekend playing um, Jenga f till four in the morning with my sister because it just got so competitive that I, you know, it needed to keep going on and on and on, right? And that's like, you know, it's super, super easy for me to do that. So it's a lot of the time, again, uh, I think a big red flag for me is if you, is if you're saying all the cliches, but you don't have anything to back it up, back it up with. The, the things you are ha looking for in, in your um, candidates. So you said um, high achievers, driven, and hunger. Also. So how do you, because you said you don't have like specific questions, but earlier we are talking about assessing accountability, but do what do you do with, I don't know, for example, a, a driven person, how do you find someone who's driven? So a lot, so I read a study once actually, or, or I read an article and it was all about um, a scientific study that was done that, that, or maybe it was a book, I don't know. I read somewhere that a lot of interviewers ask about hypothetical questions about the future. So they'll go, Elric, um, I'm going to put you in a scenario where you are, so you're really struggling in your role, what do you do, right? You're really, really struggling, You've, you, you, you can't get to the bottom of, of this situation. And I think everybody knows that in, in this hypothetical world, you would, you know, they'll say something like, oh, well, I'd go, to, go and speak to my manager. And speaking, about future states and hypothetical future states, this is what the study shows, is, it, is not, uh, often it's not a true reflection of people's actual actions. And so it's, and, I, 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 and it says to always focus on you know, what people have done in the past in all different walks of life, not just the relevant experience, but there's, you know, like, why did they, why, were they studying this at school and then they move to do a completely unrelated subject in um, a university, right? That might be an example. And if you focus on the past and what they've done so far and the decision-making processes that they've had in the past, that'll be a much more accurate reflection of, of, um, of the future. And the study actually says that hiring today statistically is a coin flip. It's a 50-50 whether people get it right or wrong, but from their um, work and when they changed, when they tested um, hiring managers and got them to focus on the past and decision making and post in the past, it was the one way that they found where you can increase your odds of um, a positive hire, hire 
um, to more than 50%. So I've really adopted that. Like I really believe in it. I, you know, I get the logic and I really believe in it. So talking about drive, you know, it, it goes back to me talking about their past and talking about, um, you know, if, if I can see that someone was at university and they were like the top achiever, right? They, their grade was like through the roof. I don't care if, I don't, truly, I don't care whether their grade was the top or the bottom be, because I don't think it's, it, it says everything. But certainly if, if I know that they've, they're the sort of person that's pushed themselves to getting like, you know, to be the top achiever in it, 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 at, uni, at university, for example, then that probably suggests that they've got this innate inner drive. And then I'll ask them about that and I'll ask them about the process and I'll ask them about what motivated them and I'll kind of, you know, I'll really double down on that. Or it could be a sporting example. I think a lot of salespeople are sports, you know, have been sports people in the past and, and you see it time and time again that, or I, I certainly see it where I've got someone who was the president of a football club and at a school or whatever. Whereas they, they're kind of like, you know, they've really got involved in sports and they push themselves to be in charge, you know, to be put in that position where in the, at the top and that shows drive but it doesn't matter you know that you could be the tid i always say you could be the tiddlywinks world champion uh, for all i care like it doesn't really matter but i think if you're this if, if you have the personality where you're, you've pushed yourself push yourself to be more than average um in the past then then that probably suggests that you've got drive you've got ambition and drive that will be hopefully reflective in the future so the i don't know if it's from this book but uh, actually, I was reading a book and they were talking about this. So it's never hire a bad salesperson again. And there is a chapter talking about this, uh, focusing on be behavior, behavioral questions instead of uh, situation, uh, future questions. And uh, it's, yeah, I didn't think about that actually until three months ago, something like that. So, and yeah, I, I think talking about the past, it, it articulates the future. So. And then, so, and do you do the same for high achievers and hunger also? Um, with, do you ask similar questions? Or how, how do you ask for, this? For, for hunger? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I put hunger and drive into, like, very similar categories. Um, I suppose, I suppose, um, I do ask questions. I know I've just said that you don't, don't speak about future states, but I do often ask questions about where they want to be. I, you know, it's a bit of a cliche question, but I do want to ask like, what, what they want to be doing. But for me, it's not what they want to be doing, it's why they want to be doing it. And then usually I'm, you know, what I'm really looking for is them to say, I want to, I, I really double down on it. So I go, okay, this, a really common answer is, I want to buy a house before I'm 30, right? And then I'll go, okay, and why, why is that important to you? And they'll be like, because that gives me security and everything else. And I go, why do you want security? Right? And I'll really kind of lay it back. What I'm hoping for is to find something that perhaps, is you know, it's, it's, I suppose it's quite deep, but like usually people of a certain age and a certain maturity understands where their drivers come from. So my competitive streak, for example, is I'm the eldest of three kids and my dad made a point from literally when I was a very small child of every time we played did anything competitive together he would do everything he can to make my younger siblings win so it, and same with my mom so it always felt like everything that I had to do I had to do at such a high level to beat 
because I was it was me versus my whole family. I really do believe that that's the deep rooted logic in it. Um, I'm sure there's some other stuff as well, but like you know, and that's and uh, and so you know, every so hunger and drive. Like I suppose it's I want to see that it, it's happened in the past and and that people have shown that in the past, but also uh, even more ideally is people understand where that drive comes from and they can, can clearly communicate that. And also we were talking about that we were doing like role plays during the interview, the hiring process. Why did you make the decision to don't have role plays uh, during the process? When I was applying for SDR roles um, back in 2018, I did a role play I was asked to do a role play by one company um, that I interviewed at. And firstly, my recruiter coached me through the whole process. Um, you know, coached me on what I needed to say, what the values were of the, um, you know, what, yeah, what values were that I needed to talk about, like what, how I should intro it, etc. cetera. Um, so I, I basically got all the answers. And the second thing is, so, so I'm, I'm worried about that first and foremost, but I suppose leaning into that, leaning into that, and, and I suppose again because of the people that we're hiring, I'm not hiring people with experience. I'm hiring people with drive and hunger. Who I, th who if, if they're if they've got hunger and drive and they're coachable, you mentioned coachability, then I believe that we have the coaching and training process to allow that to to train them in how to cold call. Right, that's my job. I get them in on the first day, first month. I'm gonna. I'm going to role play with them. The, uh, you know, I'm going to role play with them now. Some people might say, you might say to me, well, look, Dave, what the role play is doing for me is it's allowing me to understand, you know, people's tonality and whether they, you know, whether they can inflect, and and it's um, it's making me understand people's natural empathy, uh, so so that you know, I'll give them an objection, I'll see how they like naturally respond to that. But I think I get that out of, I get that out of the presentation and other aspects of the interview, um, in a way where I'm not penalising someone who could be really good if they're given the training. That's what I don't want to do. Is I don't want to, you know, I, I'm 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 often hiring people without SDR experience. How can I expect them to know how to successfully make a cold call? That's that's the, but I, I you know I'm I'm happy to debate that one because it's an interesting point. No no, but it's based on what you're assessing during the process because uh, if with the other question you're asking or what you're looking for, it's you don't need to because it's redundant with 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 the rest of the process. So it's just making sure they are coachable if you are, but you are already checking assessing this as other steps. So, but I think what I'm seeing wrong with. Role players generally, they are looking to see the way they are doing cold calls. When, like you said, if you have the proper training and boarding, uh, you'll be you'll be great at cold calls. But I think it should be more based on the traits of the person instead of uh, are they good on the phone or not. Because during an interview, generally people they are stressed. So generally, uh, for me, uh, at Chili Pepper, actually, I didn't do a, a good job on the role plays uh, that we had. So, um, but they, I think they are not as they were not assessing on on the performance of the call, but more the way you react, the questions you are asking, or are you taking the feedback? Are you coachable on the feedback they're giving you? So, no, no, lo I love that you mentioned earlier that you use it as a coachability thing. Um, I I actually usually so I always ask my SDR manager who runs the first interview to give 
to always just, whether even if they've been absolutely perfect, find one piece of negative feedback for them and tell them it and then, and then work a, out a way of assessing it in second. So I remember one, one guy I interviewed when I did the first and second and um, he kept calling me mate. Now, I'm quite a casual guy. Like, I'm generally speaking, I'm a super casual guy. Like, it, you know, but he, there was something about the way he said it and he just kept calling me mate. And, uh, you know, I think it came across as quite unprofessional. Um, and, and so I said at the end of the, well, I used that as my coachability thing. So I said at the end of the interview, I was like, look, you've done a great job. I really, you know, um, I really would like you to come to a second but I need you to know that like there's just one piece of negative feedback which is that I think you calling me mate can come across as unprofessional and he came to the second round interview and he just couldn't stop calling me mate again and I was like like what can I do right like you know it's, it's such a clear-cut one yeah and I know that we, we we can talk a lot about this uh, but that's something also we are trying to do during the, the interview. So all the negative feedback from the person we had, I was sending it to the next person in, in the hiring process to making sure they are going to assess them on the feedback I gave them to see if they are playing this, this feedback. So yeah, I read of that. So we are at the end of, of the interview. So normally I, I had some question about onboarding, but I think we should do a second episode uh, uh, to talk about onboarding. But the last question, for the two last question I have is, um, what advice will, would you give to an SDR leader uh, who is trying to improve his hiring process and what advice should they ignore? So I don't want to keep reiterating the same points, but you should ignore anybody that says to hire on experience. Um, experience means nothing if you train people correctly. Um, or yeah, yeah. Ex Experience is less if you can train people properly. That's, yeah, maybe I'll be less absolute on that. Certainly in the SDR role, right? Certainly thinking about SDRs, um, the best SDRs that I've ever seen. I mean, right now, I've, the best SDR that we've got in the team joined us and she used to work in Ted Baker um, as a store assistant. So she had a bit of customer service experience, but she'd definitely never been an SDR before. And she's blowing everybody out of the park. We have another guy who is, you know, generally people are kind of like, 22 to 26-ish. Big generalization, it's not every, certainly not everybody, but the best performer in our team, or one of the best performers in our team right now is an 18-year-old. He's come straight out of school, and he's, and he's amazing. Like, he really is incredible. Um, so, so ignore that. The advice that I would give is, um, is, is make sure that Make sure, especially if you're new to hiring, and maybe this is a, a piece of advice for people that are new. I'd, I'd like to think that most people that have, have kind of got lots of experience will know this, but for anybody that's new, make sure that you understand that it is just as much about um, you trying to find the right candidate as the candidate trying to find the right company. And so it's going to be incredibly important that you present yourself in the best way. Um, when I was doing interviews back in... Uh, back in 2018, I mentioned already um, that I had to do the role play, but there was also an interview that I went to and it was like a Friday afternoon and the hiring manager, I thought the company was great going in and then the hiring manager like kind of kept talking about going to the pub and how he just wanted to get out of here and like he just did not look up for it at all and there was no way I was ever going to go to that company. So just make sure that you understand that, yeah, you're selling yourself and your organization as much as um, 
the other way around. So I think that that would be my other piece of advice. Nice. Well, Dave, um, that was great conversation. Thank you for taking the time uh, today to come on, on the podcast. And uh, for everybody listening, um, uh, thanks for listening. So, Dave, I see you uh, soon on another episode. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm actually about to go. I've got a candidate waiting outside my door, ironically. So, um, yeah, better get going. We really, really appreciate it. See you next time.